Ignition sequence start. Everything. Everything. Sounds. Sounds. This is Everything Sounds. All right. You recording? I am. Radical. Markin? I'm Craig Shank. And I'm George Drake Jr. And this is Everything Sounds. You know, art is normally something you think about as being visual. Paintings, drawings, and sculptures. Right. But when does it include sound? How do you take that medium that is prominently visual and incorporate a sound element? That's what we're going to try to figure out on today's show. But first, Craig, imagine you're walking on a beach, okay? All right. So think about what you might hear. Maybe some seagulls in the background. Mm Mm-hmm. The ding of a buoy way off in the distance. Right. Some children playing, maybe. Sure. Uh, maybe maybe the occasional boat passing by. Okay. Wait. What about the waves, the water? I was hoping you were going to get to that. That is where this comes in. Wait, that doesn't sound like water. You are absolutely right. Have you ever seen this piece running? Really? What's it look like when it's running? This is Jesse. My name is Jesse C. That's S-E-A-Y. And I'm a sound artist. I'm also an assistant professor at Columbia College in the Department of Audio Arts and Acoustics, where I teach sound art. She's quirky, but in a good way. I'm known among my friends for singing to my food. It's not something I really do intentionally, but if I really like it, I start humming. She's made this sculpture. It's called Mechanical Tide. And it kind of mimics the sound and the motion of the actual tide. It's just evocative of it. It's not meant to be like a very strong mapping of what water looks like. It just rocks back and forth pretty slowly and has that same lull that the tide does. It does resemble the tide of an ocean, but... uh, It was sort of something that that just kind of came out of what I was doing. was like, yeah, this reminds me of that. And what did that guy say about it again? What's it look like when it's running? They just move back and forth. It's not as exciting as you might. Really? Oh, that's a shame. In case you didn't hear him, he said, it just moves back and forth. It's not as exciting as you may think. Well, let's just prove him wrong. He is so totally wrong. It is really exciting. But if it's not exciting, I think it's because people like him have been stealing the balls off the top of the piece. And I should probably send more balls. Craig, before we go any further with this, I think we need to get a visual of what Mechanical Tide actually looks like. All right, just imagine a big wooden table. It's made of uh, unpainted poplar wood which um, is why it's so sensitive to changes in climate. The piece is, I don't know, somewhere around five foot by eight foot. I think I was shooting for the golden mean when I devised the ratio of the height and the, the width and the length of the piece. And down the length of the table, you don't even have to look that close are just all of these little grooves. This is actually a wood trim. You know, the original idea was having these dowels 
put together. And we did that for the prototype. There's a, I have a small version of this piece that's like two feet by three feet, and it was done with the dowels, but for something on the scale, it just proved to be kind of impractical. And in those grooves, hundreds of ball bearings. It looks like there's a little bit fewer, like um, there might have been more. And they're not all the same size. They're different sizes. I think there's maybe two or three sizes of ball bearings on the surface. It's more interesting when you've got some variety there. Just rolling back and forth on the table. And if one gets too close to the edge on the other side, it falls into one of the cans at the corners. I had done a, a previous piece that involved a lot of tin cans, and I just had them around. And when the ball bearings, when the balls started jumping to their deaths off the corners of the table, um, we had to put something under there to save them. So that just seemed like an obvious solution. And I think it fits with the aesthetic. I mean, I, I think it just, it works. I like the way it looks. So I like shiny things. Now, Jesse takes simple everyday items and makes them not only into something you'd never think of, but she seems to actually see the sound that they're going to make. Uh, The best way to describe it is as she does. She says, my goal is art as playground. We talked to Jesse at the University of Chicago James Frank Institute. That's F-R-A-N-C-K. We interviewed her in the lobby next to her piece, so you might hear some talking in the background or the occasional elevator chime. It was her first time seeing the piece in two years. You know, it's not like seeing your lover that you haven't seen in six years. I mean, it's like, yep, still there. (laughs) I mean, it didn't didn't change as far as I can tell. I don't know. If it was broken, I think I'd be upset. (laughs) But it it looks okay. This piece came about because I've always been fascinated by little ball bearings, by pachinko balls. when I was a kid in Japan, uh, walking home, I would sometimes see little pachinko balls in the cracks of the sidewalk, and I'd pick them up and keep them in my pocket. They're really cool. They have like little stars inscribed in them and like the name of the pachinko parlor. And I just always had wanted to do something with them. And I had got my hands on a couple of them, and I had these dowel rods that somebody had left behind in the basement of where I was living. And I was playing around with the dowel rods, and I had like taped them together so that the groove between the two dowel rods formed a track. And I put the balls on it and was rolling it back and forth. And I put several balls on it. And I was like, wow, this is even cooler. And I was telling people, yeah, okay, so just imagine this multiplied by a thousand. Wouldn't that be awesome? And, you know, I probably sounded like I was kind of nuts. Adhered to the side of the piece was a handwritten sign, which read, Please do not disturb. This is a -a one-of-a-kind art piece made from scratch, not owned by the university, but on loan from the artist. If you have any questions or concerns about the piece, see John Phillips in E145. Thanks. So, of course, right after we got there, Jesse decides to reorganize everything about the piece. Watching people interact with it. It's kind of like watching people read Rorschach prints, the the ink dots, the the ink Mm -hmm. blobs, right? You know, when somebody says it's a bat and someone else says it's a house on fire. And and this is the same way. Like, it's really interesting to watch little kids um, watch it because they will sit here and they'll watch it for a really long time. And they'll actually personify, the uh, anthropomorphize the balls and, you know, decide that two are having a race. 
and this one's the winner this time, but next time the other one's the winner. And um, yeah, people have told me like the the motor on the piece makes noise, and I kind of you know wasn't that happy about it having a motor that made noise on it. But uh, then people were like, oh, it's the sound of the foghorn. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I, you know, it's like that's it evokes something else for you. So at this point, we know what it looks like. And we know how the thing works, but we haven't heard from Jessie about why sound plays such an important role in her artwork. And that's where her childhood comes into play. Our teacher at school asked us if we would rather lose, which would be worse, losing our vision or losing our sense of hearing. And everybody except for me said it'd be worse to lose their vision. And I said it would be worse to lose my sense of hearing because uh, I think it would just leave me really completely isolated from the rest of the world way, way too much. I mean, losing your vision would be really inconvenient, logistically speaking. That'd be kind of a pain in the butt. But I, I think losing your hearing would just take you out of the world emotionally, psychologically. Um, yeah, I think sound connects us to the world. It brings the world into our minds. <laughs> Craig, I think there was one thing in the James Frank Institute that you nor I could complain about. Do you know what it is? No, what's that? The Tootsie Rolls. Could you toss me a Tootsie Roll, please? Oh, right. Awesome. Thank you. There was a bowl of Tootsie Rolls in the corner of the lobby, which they refill constantly. And not only that, it promotes student traffic through the building. But it's about more than just the candy. People visit for a lot of reasons. When we were there, a tour group of teenagers and their parents triggered the piece. Very interesting table. Um, no tour guide actually knows what this is. We love, we love, like we'll have meetings where we literally we talk about what this table is for like 20 minutes. But we, we none of us know, but we all know that it's really cool. Jesse explained to them that it was a piece of art. Oh, it's a piece of art. Okay, so it's it's art. I made it. Really. And for the record, the next tour guide that came through, he knew it was a piece of art, and then he went on to say that it was addictively distracting, which Jessie then explained she was pretty okay with. Sometimes people just sit down next to it, and they just sit there for a long time. And I like that, that they're, it's making them want to stop and pay attention. I think that's a good thing. Because if you ever watch people go through a museum, they'll typically spend, you know, the average is like three seconds per painting. And it's cool when you can get someone to slow down and just, just stop and pay attention for a while. We don't do that enough. You can learn more about Jessie's work at Columbia and her past artwork at her website, jessiec.com. That's J-E-S-S-E-S-E-A-Y.com. And of course, we have all of the information you need at our website, everythingsounds.org. And not everything we do is audible. We actually took some videos during the recording of the piece so you can see Mechanical Tide for yourself. You can find those at the website as well. Or if you're ever in Hyde Park, stop by the James Frank Institute at the University of Chicago and see Mechanical Tide for yourself. The music for this week's show was graciously provided by the band Met City. 
You can learn more about Met City and also see how your music can be featured in an episode from our website at everythingsounds.org. I'm Craig Shank. And I'm George Drake Jr. Until next week, thanks for listening to Everything Sounds. Oh, hey, they triggered it again. (laughs) Yay. This has been Everything Sounds. Find out more about the podcast at everythingsounds.org. Connect with Everything Sounds on Facebook and also on Twitter.